I want to invite you, if you have a Bible this morning, to turn to Acts chapter 18. We're going to be there this morning. And if you're watching online today, thank you for, for being with us. If you would do us a big favor, we want to stay connected to you, uh, whether you're watching online today because you're not feeling well or it's a special circumstance or you're a regular online viewer, we'd love to connect with you. So if you would, uh, please send us an email at office at fbcfriendswood.org and just tell us, hey, I'm watching, here's who's watching with me. We watch all the time, we watch occasionally. Uh, we'd love to just encourage you, pray for you, and make a connection uh, with you as we're doing that. I, I wanna share with you, church family, a couple things before we dive in, uh, some, some good news. Uh, you may remember, if you've been here more than four years, uh, in 2020, uh, we started a little capital campaign called Prepare the Way. It was a, it was a capital uh, fundraising uh, issue, uh, initiative uh, in February of 2020 uh, in order to raise about $3 million uh, to expand, actually, the front uh, out here uh, in front of the sanctuary, in front of Fellowship Hall uh, for a commons area. And, and in March 2020, something happened. And... and and that something was pretty big. Uh, but the good news is uh, you were faithful uh, and continued to give even uh, when we weren't meeting. And, and during that time when we weren't meeting, we actually renovated this space. It used to have mauve carpet uh, and maroonish mauve pews. And, and now we have chairs and we've painted the whole thing, extended the stage some, uh, changed the carpet out in the foyer. Uh, we've done a few minor things like, oh, hey, we have two new roofs on either side of the building here and some other things uh, over in the gym as well. We renovated that space up there where our students meet. Lots of things have happened. But in the process of all that, as we were continuing to raise funds uh, during COVID, uh, we quickly were informed that the price of this project that was, we called the Commons uh, went from about $3.5 million uh, to about $5.5 million. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Um, thank you, inflation. And so it was like, we, we're going to have to pause on that because nobody had $2-plus million laying around. And so we said, okay, let's, let's hold back, let's rethink this. Uh, and as you know, we also own the property at the corner uh, of Shadow Bend and 518. We affectionately call it the 209 uh, because that's the address, 209 South Friendswood Drive. It was the original grocery store here in Friendswood, Baker's Grocery Store. And then it became uh, a daycare center. Uh, and then we bought it in 2018. And so the plan for that eventually was to it for, to become our administrative offices, and we would move out of the little house here and move over there. So when inflation hit us, we're like, okay, we got to take a step back, rethink, because we don't have five and a half or probably six million dollars to, to make the commons happen. And so let's move forward and, and try to see if we can't get our offices uh, remodeled and built and use this space over here uh, for senior adult classes, because most of our senior adults uh, in their groups on Sunday morning actually meet upstairs in our B building. And that's not the most ideal situation uh, for senior adults to be on the second floor when the elevator is 100 yards away on the opposite end of the building. So we're going to give them some first floor space. So the good news, all that long story to give you a recap of the last uh, four to seven years of history here, is that uh, this past week, uh, we got the permits uh, to begin uh, the remodeling uh, on the 209. So my prayer is, yes, that, that's something to be excited about. 
because we've been waiting on those for a year. Uh, and so that's the big news. So hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, you'll begin to see some movement over there. And at some point, uh, our offices will move over there, over there and we'll also have an additional fellowship hall kind of space. So in the weeks ahead, uh, I'll probably be showing you some, photo, some renderings, not photos, some renderings of what that space is going to look like uh, so you can continue to pray. If you've been giving to prepare the way, thank you for doing that. Uh, the campaign actually officially ends uh, are we in February yet? Yes, we are. Uh, ends this month. And so I want to encourage you to end your giving strong if you've been giving to that. Uh, we appreciate that so much. And, and I'm excited about what God's going to do in the future uh, on our campus. Uh, at the same time, all of that's happening today uh, in Building B upstairs. I think we have 12 people uh, who are deciding to join our church, which is uh, a thrill and excited. I'm, I'm glad that people want to connect with us and, and join with us and partner as we share the gospel. And so that's a good, good thing. And then my final public service announcement for the day is something that happened this week. Uh, I, you, you may know if you've heard me say it a hundred thousand times, uh, I hope you've heard it once, uh, that we have a, a vision statement here to prepare and send disciple-making missionaries who will strengthen families, love neighbors, and transform the community with the gospel. And, and one of the great blessings that we have is to actually impact the community right here on our campus. Uh, if you gave financially to the church in 2023, uh, you might have received a letter this week acknowledging that, or you'll receive it this week. Uh, they're in the mail uh, with your giving receipt, but you'll see uh, some kingdom impact things that, that have happened throughout the year. And, and one of those is that we've hosted over 30 community events on our property. So outside community organizations use our facility on a regular basis for their events. And actually one of those happened this week. Uh, our Friendswood High School cheerleaders, uh, led by one of our very own who might sit over there, uh, is uh, hosted this week. And some of our cheerleaders uh, are members of our church, uh, which is exciting. They hosted their cheer banquet. And if you've been in the gym for the last few weeks, you, you may know that you, can't turn the, you couldn't turn the lights on and off, which is a little bit of a problem, right, if you want to actually use the gym. Turning the lights on and off at the switch is an important feature of any room. <laughs> and we actually couldn't do that for about a month. Um, how you turn the lights on was actually go around to the stage area of the gym climb up some creepy stairs around to the back of the stage and go uh, to our little, little control panel. But oh no, it's not on the control panel. No, look for a, a power strip, a surge protector strip, black, oh by the way, and the walls are painted black. So look for this power strip with some cords plugged into it and turn the power strip on. And voila, the lights are on in the gym. So not the most ideal thing. But because of your faithfulness, because of your continued generosity, we were able to call in a repairman, uh, and he was able to fix that with our very own Scott Guidry. Uh, they got that fixed so that Thursday we could host uh, the cheerleaders, and, and it was amazing. Uh, they made a not-so-pretty room look beautiful. It, it really, it, it's amazing to me how people can make that room look very nice. Uh, uh, an old floor, brown walls, but they did it. And so I walked over there uh, Thursday afternoon to just kind of see how it looked. 
And I walked in, and the first lady I met, she said, hey, how are you? Are, are you the, the guy who's helping us with the sound? I said, oh, no. Oh, no, not me, not me. I'll get to that part later in the sermon about, you know, just enough to be dangerous. Uh, I said, no, that's Ashton. That's his name. My name's David. I'm the pastor here. She goes, oh, thanks for hosting, blah, blah, blah. So I walk in. We have a I walk in. And there's another lady who's decorating. And she immediately introduces herself. And I said, hi, I'm David. I'm the pastor here. And, and she said, can I have a hug? That, that's a little awkward uh, when you don't know somebody. And but she followed it very quickly with this, because my father just passed away. And here she was, decorating, trying to make her daughter's uh, cheerleader banquet just a, a wonderful experience. And I said, sure. I said, Do you, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she said, I would really appreciate that. And so I got the chance to, to pray with her, to encourage her, uh, to tell her that, that she was okay and that, that God was going to see her through. And she had to be strong in this moment for her daughter, but that, that she had that opportunity to grieve. And, and as I was walking out after a brief conversation, she says, you know, Pastor, uh, the very first lock-in that I ever attended as a sixth grader was in this building. And she gave me the year. Uh, I was a senior in high school. Felt made me feel old. But, um, but I was like, wow. S since 1979, that, that's when that building was built, 1979, at the cost of $500,000. I, I still have the, the, one of our church members gave me the capital campaign brochure for it. So for now... 40 plus years, we, we've been making impact because of our facility, because of the generosity of people decades before us, because of your generosity, we're able to invite people who maybe have a connection to our church somewhere in their past, maybe they don't, and encourage them to lift them up, to challenge them. And it got me to think, and I was in a conversation with a church member this week uh, about the gym, because I shared with him that story uh, the next day on Friday. And he said, yeah, pastor, my wife and I had just moved here when they were in the process of building that. And at the same time, they were helping Heritage Park Baptist, the church that we planted. Uh, at the same time, they were helping them with a capital campaign. So the church was raising $500,000 in the late 70s while helping another church raise money for one of their building campaigns. Uh, what, what a great legacy we have as a church. We stand on those shoulders, and many of those people uh, who were here in the 70s are actually still here. Uh, most of them attend our early service, uh, but there's a few in here that you've been around that long. But, but I want to thank you for your generosity, for your faithfulness in giving that allows us moments like that where we can welcome groups, we can encourage people, we can pray for them, we can lead them uh, to, to know that God is with them. And, and so all that to say, today we're going to be in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a guy who was bold and courageous, uh, didn't know everything, uh, but God used him mightily. And we're going to spend most of our time in, in the city of Ephesus. Now, as God's providence would have it, I actually was in Ephesus uh, about three months ago. Uh, you, you might have remember I was out one Sunday in Central Asia, and Ephesus happens to be in Central Asia, uh, as, as it would be. And so one of our church members and I got to go there, and so I want to show you some real-life pictures that I took 
from Ephesus. Ephesus uh, is in the modern day city of Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R, Turkey. And this um, is a photo taken from the gymnasium. Uh, The ruins that you see kind of at the front are their gymnasium. Not a gymnasium like we think where we play basketball and volleyball. Their gymnasiums is where they learned how to speak publicly, where they studied oratory. And so looking into or through the gym to that stadium in the background that's carved into a mountain, the stadium sat 25,000 people. And they built it by hand with rocks. Amazing. It's unbelievable. The stage is three-tiered. So it has a high stage, a middle stage, and then a ground floor stage in it where they would perform uh, their theater and their, their debates and those things. And so that's where we're going to be today. This is the, the very city that we're going to be talking about today where this guy named Apollos was. Uh, that's the city. And then, not only was it this famous city for theater and oratory, but it also uh, was the home of the second largest library in the world at the time. Um, Alexandria uh, in Egypt, which we're going to come back to in a moment, had the largest library in the world. This is the second largest library in the world, and I didn't, I didn't choose to take the, pick the selfie. Uh, with, I was in it, so I took the one without me in it. Uh, that's that library, when Alexandria, the library at Alexandria burned, they came over and they grabbed a bunch of books from this library and took them back to Alexandria. And then guess what happened? The library burned again, so they lost everything. If you've wrote, written Spaceship Earth at uh, Disney, you know that. Um, that's just it's a separate side fact about history. And, and so here you have this great city. This unbelievable city. And at the time, during Paul and Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila, the people we're going to talk about today, during their time, it was actually a, a port city. The, the Aegean Sea came all the way up to the city. But this is what it looks like today. So you see the library in the distance where those trees are in the background. That used to be all water. But, but now the land has... Uh, slid down about three miles. So the water is now about three miles from the city. But in the ancient world, it was on top uh, of the water. And so there were some kings and rulers that came in and, and helped make that happen to where it would be further away from the water. But that's the city that we're going to talk about today. Uh, ancient Ephesus, modern day Izmir, Turkey. And and so as we read, I want to invite you to look at verse 18 of chapter 18, the book of Acts, and we'll see what's going on here as Paul moves from Corinth uh, to Ephesus. Here's what it says in verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila. At Sinstrea, he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea... He went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed 
and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. In verse 24, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, though he only knew the baptism of John, he began speaking boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross the Achaia, we would say that the Achaia, um, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through the grace, through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Now, Paul had been in Corinth uh, for more than a year and a half. We talked about that last week. He was in Corinth. He stayed there a year and a half. I talked about all of us need to find a spiritual home and stay there and, and get connected. We need you. You need us. Uh, that's why folks are enjoying today, because we need each other to carry on the gospel mission. So he stayed there a year and a half. A bunch of chaos happened. He actually stayed a little bit longer. And then finally he left. And he wanted to go to Syria which is next to Israel, even today, next to Israel. And so he had to make a stop in Ephesus because he couldn't make the full journey. So he stops in Ephesus uh, on his way, and he brings his buddies, Priscilla and Aquila, his fellow tent makers, with him. And, and they all make it to Ephesus, and when they get there, Paul goes to the synagogue, and what do you know? Uh, the Jews in Ephesus are nicer than the ones in Corinth and Thessalonica. Uh, they're willing to listen, have discussion. They want to reason with him. They want to learn more. They want to have greater debate. Uh, they're open to what he has to say uh, about Jesus and salvation. And so they say, hey, stay a little longer. And he's like, nope, I got to go. Most scholars believe the reason he left is because he wanted to make it to Jerusalem by the Passover. And so he wanted to be in Jerusalem for Passover. And, and so what he does, we have another little map. What he does is he goes from Ephesus um, down the Isle of Patmos. That's, remember, John. He writes the book of Revelation from there and goes across the Aegean Sea. That's that big body of water, the Aegean Sea all the way uh, to Caesarea and then Judea. And then this is his third missionary journey. So he's kind of been on three big journeys, and, and this is where he goes. So that's all modern-day Israel and Syria, still Syria today, uh, all the better. So that's kind of where he goes. That's verses 22 and 23, big journey in two verses. All that stuff he does in two verses. But he leaves his friends, Priscilla and Aquila, back in Ephesus. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now remember, what, what do Priscilla and Aquila do for a living? They make tents, right? They are not pastors. They're not missionaries. They're not paid church staff. They're business people. They're business people. And so maybe a year after Paul leaves them, this new guy enters the scene, and his name is Apollos. And, and Apollos is from Egypt, from Alexandria, Egypt, and on what continent is Egypt? Africa, don't be scared. 
Africa, okay? It's Africa. So Egypt is in Africa. He goes across the Aegean Sea, because Africa's in the south, to Ephesus. So we have a, a Jewish African who has come to modern-day Asia, Turkey, to share about Jesus with people in Ephesus. And if you know anything about Alexandria, you know that Alexandria was home of the largest library in the world. And so there's a couple of things about Apollos that, that I want us to understand as you think about your own journey of faith. As you think about who am I and where has God taken me and where is he taking me? Well, well first of all, it's obvious that Apollos um, was a learned man. He, he had education. Alexandria was a, was a city devoted to education. He was knowledgeable in the scriptures. He's Jewish, so probably he had formal education related to the Old Testament. And if you, you don't know this and you ever see in writing somewhere, if you're doing a Bible study or someone's talking to you about the Bible and they say the word Septuagint, Septuagint, it's a big word, but the Septuagint is actually the Old Testament translated into Greek. So it was originally written in Hebrew, but the modern language of about 400 BC, for several hundred years, the, the trade language was often Greek. And so they translated these 70 people, Septuagint, 70 people translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to, Hebrew to Greek. That happened in Alexandria, Egypt. And so Apollos was probably educated in the Old Testament. It's a great lesson for all of us that we need learning doesn't have to be in a formal school, but we need to be learning people, people that learn all the time. And so 200 years before Christ, we have the Old Testament written in Greek so that more people can read it. But Apollos wasn't just a learned Jewish man. He had also been instructed in the ways of the Lord. He obviously had a faith encounter with Jesus. Someone had brought the reality of the Messiah to his hometown, to Alexandria, to Egypt. He, he had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he, either naturally or he was taught, he became this, this great communicator. But there was still an issue with Apollos, and, and we read about it in the text here. Uh, Apollos was a great communicator, but he needed help. He needed help. Because he knew some things, but he didn't know everything. And the one thing he didn't know was actually the whole idea of what baptism is all about. Because he had only experienced the baptism of John, John the baptizer, that's Jesus' cousin. He was the forerunner to Jesus. He was the one who came before to set the stage for Jesus. And so his disciples were actually baptized, but they were baptized for the repentance of their sin as they would look towards the Messiah who would come one day, who would cleanse them completely. And so it was this sort of anticipatory baptism that I'm going to repent of my sins, but I know one day there will be someone who has come to, to fully cleanse me of my sins, and his name is Jesus. And so Apollo still had a little bit to learn. He's still a little bit to learn. 
He's a great communicator. He had some knowledge. He was a bold teacher, but, but sometimes boldness gets us into trouble, doesn't it? Boldness with incomplete knowledge often leads to trouble. There's a saying, right? I know just enough to be dangerous. Right? That's, that's kind of Apollos right here. I know just enough to be dangerous. For some of you, that might be regarding plumbing or computer issues or maybe auto mechanics. Like, you know just enough to make it worse so you can call the professional. That, that's what you know. And, and that's, that's kind of the potential here, that Apollos is this great guy. He's got some education. He has passion. But, but he probably needs some guidance. And so enter Priscilla and Aquila. Remind me again what they do. They make tents, right? And they make tents. But they understand what it means to follow Jesus. And, and, and they enter the picture by God's providence that they're in Ephesus the same time Apollos comes to Ephesus. And so while they're working, right, making tents, while they're making tents, and when I was there in Ephesus, there was a kind of a dirt road that surrounded that stadium, and the, our guide said, this is probably where all the business people set up their little shops. It would be for us like a pop-up or a farmer's market kind of idea, and they would set them up all along this walking path in the big city square, and so that's probably where they would sell their tents. And so here they are running their business. More than likely, because they had been there a year, they were probably starting a church, helping to start a church, plant a church in Ephesus. We toured some homes that were upwards of 6,000 square feet. That's pretty big, really big. And so they'd have these giant open rooms where you could probably fit 30 or 40 people, who easy place to, to launch a church and to have a gathering for worship. And so they're, they're running their business, they're starting a church, and then they hear Apollos teach in the synagogue and teach in public, and they say, hey, this guy has something, but we need to guide him, we need to help him. So do they tell him in public, like, uh, hey, buddy, you, you need to watch what you say. You better be careful. No, they pull him aside. They probably pull him into their home. And they probably have dinner with him. They get to know him. They encourage him. Because they knew he was teaching the word of God accurately. The scripture says that. He, he was testifying to the grace of God. But they saw there was a, a little more need to, to teach the way of God more accurately. There's some things that he didn't quite know. And so here they are running a business, planning a church, and now discipling a young man. Let me challenge you, church, that every Christian is called to be a disciple-making missionary. Because I actually don't know very many people who run a business, are planting a church, and discipling the next generation of Christian leader. I, I don't know too many of those folks. That's the calling. It's a high calling of God. And, and Priscilla and Aquila, they latched onto this. Every one of us should be a disciple-making missionary. But think about it from Apollos' angle. Apollos is this educated guy. He loves Jesus. 
He, he's obviously had some success in his teaching and his debate. And so these two folks come in, and he could have said, look, I, I got this. I don't know how many conversations you've been in, and the person on the other side, when you've shared a fact, they're like, I know. And you get the I know. It usually happens with teenagers. But it happens with adults too. I'm guilty of it. Someone tells you a truth and you're like, I know. I, I wish I had a dollar for every time it was said in my household. Because I'd have to pay some money, a lot actually. I'd have to pay. Because I know just, just enough to be dangerous. Right? Like all of us do. That could have been Apollos. Uh, Apollos could have said, look, uh, Priscilla, Aquila, I appreciate you. You're great people of God, but I've got this. I know what I'm doing. But he didn't. He didn't. It's a, it's a challenge to us to remember that it's always good for us to learn. It's always a benefit to us to be learners and to listen, to, to be ready to, to accept something that someone else has to say they might know. And so Paul, or Apollos did that. He listened he received encouragement from Priscilla and Aquila, and then he felt God calling him to leave Ephesus and go to Corinth, take the 200-mile boat trip back across the Aegean Sea uh, to, to Corinth, to Greece. Uh, in the scripture, it says, Achaia. We say Achaia or something like that, but that's, I can, it's the most difficult world, word to, to say. But it's kind of the southern half of Greece, and so he goes back there, and we know he had great success because if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, written to the Corinthian church, the church at Corinth, you know that Paul applauds him, but Paul also has a great warning for the church. Like, hey guys, I know some of you like me, Paul. I know some of you like Apollos. That's this guy right here, Apollos. Some of you like him better. Some of you like me better. Let me remind you, we're all on the same team. And if you didn't know, there are some who plant the seed, some who water the seed, but it's only God who makes it grow. That's Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians. So we know that, that once Apollos leaves Ephesus, after his encounter with Priscilla and Aquila, he goes back and has tremendous impact because he had skill. He knew the Old Testament. And where did he go? The scripture says he went into the synagogue. And he debated with the Jews because he knew the Old Testament as a Jew. And he was able to reason with them and show them who the Messiah was. He was also able, the scripture says, to help those who through grace had believed. The, the Gentile Christian who would received the message of Jesus Christ and received him as Savior, he was able to encourage them and help them grow in their faith to explain more fully what it meant to follow after Christ. It's amazing to me how God can use someone who is teachable. Are you teachable? Someone who's gospel-minded, who, who thinks about the things of Christ, who, who wants to soak up the things of God and then be able to share them. And someone who's, who's properly trained to advance the kingdom. And I want to encourage you today, church, whether you've been a follower of Christ for five minutes or 50 years, 
you're trained to share what you know. You're trained to share what you know. There are people um, in our first service that have been following Jesus and learned about Jesus for longer than all of us have been alive. Everyone in this room. They know enough to share. Some of you have been a Christian for less than a year. Let me encourage you, you know enough. You still need to learn and grow and listen to others, but you know enough. You've been trained. And so don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't, don't think, oh, what if someone brings up a subject or asks a question that I don't understand? Well, guess what? I've been doing this a long time, and there's people that ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. And I say that, and I don't know the answer, but I'm going to do my best to help you, to find the answer, to encourage you. And so the example of Apollos is a great one for us no matter where you are because you and I are equipped to make a difference for the kingdom. You're equipped. Whether you're new in your faith or you're a veteran of following Jesus, you're equipped. You're equipped. And Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila made a tremendous difference for the kingdom Apollos goes back to Corinth, and I want to show you how big of an impact he made. So on this map here that you're going to see, Corinth is over here in Greece. Remember the Isthmian games from last week? Um, the Aphrodite, the goddess uh, of love and all that. Corinth is on this little isthmus. Those where Athens is, that's all connected by a small little peninsula. But he takes that boat over, and that area you see there that looks like an island along with the other, like the southern part of Greece, that geography is about double the size of the city of Houston. So the city of Houston is 639 square miles. This area is about 1,300 square miles. One guy, one guy made a difference in an area twice as big as Houston. And he didn't have the internet. He didn't have a car. He didn't have anything. But Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today, church, as you think about where you are. Because most in this room are not pastors, you're not missionaries, you're students. Your business people, your homemakers, your employees, you're retired. But God has equipped you to make a difference in our area. And he's placed you here to do so. He's placed you here so that you will make a difference in our area. Just like he placed Apollos in Ephesus for a season to be encouraged trained and challenged, and then sent him on from Africa all the way to Greece so that he could change the landscape of a region for the sake of the gospel. And so today I want to invite you to think about how can I, how can I, one person, one teenager, one young adult, one middle-aged person, one retired person, one empty nester, how can I make an impact on believers and non-believers? How, how has God equipped me 
to share the truth of his word, the blessing of what it means to follow Jesus, and what it means to to live the power of a resurrected life, a life defined by Christ. What does it mean? How can I do that? Perhaps your prayer today is, Lord, how, how can I make a difference? How can I make an impact? I want that to be our prayer today. Will you bow with me?